the University of California Riverside presents Blue, Gold, and Black, the podcast that's dedicated to amplifying Black voices at UCR. I'm Dominique Bill from UCR's Community Engagement and Outreach Unit. In each episode, we'll be talking to UCR students, campus leaders, and community partners to explore the intersection of being Black and being a Highlander at UCR. And I can't wait for you to meet today's guest. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Blue, Gold, and Black podcast. My name is Dominique Beal. I am your host. Super happy to amplify another Black voice on campus today. We have someone joining us from the history department, Professor Adulesi Adeluyi. (laughs) I know I murdered it. I've been practicing, I promise. Professor, could you please properly tell us how to pronounce your name? Sure. Hi, Dominic. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. So I'm Yoruba and uh, my full name. So I guess I'm Dr. Ademide Adelusi Adelui. In America, people call me Ademide. So I guess you could call me, I guess, Professor Ademide or Professor or Dr. Ademide, whichever one you feel more comfortable with or just Ademide. That's good, too. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. Hardly anyone (laughs) can say my name. So this is totally normal. That makes me feel a little bit better, but I, and you know, it's funny, I used to work in a school that was really predominantly, like, Latino, and so there's a lot of unique names in that culture, and I always knew I struggled with it, but you just have to fight through the embarrassment and actually try, I think that goes a long way, so I appreciate you for, you know, making that a lot easier to deal with, um, but... Course. But super happy to have you here. So so let's just dive in. Obviously, you are a professor of history, of African history. Um, can you please kind of just tell us, though, more in depth about what that means? Where, you, where is your area of study in particular? Um, and let's just expand from there. Okay, excellent. All right. Thank you, Dominique. Mm-hmm. So as like you said, I'm a historian. My research is mostly on cities, especially 19th century cities in West Africa. So I'm really interested right now in the book. I'm finishing a book right now called Imagine Lagos. And part of this is a study of mid-19th century Lagos. So like um, I study the city of Lagos from the 1840s to about the 1860s. And I also study the lagoon community that Lagos is part of. Most people think of Lagos as an Atlantic city, but actually it's um, at the center of a lagoon community that includes cities like Badagri, uh, Wida, other ones. So I'm really interested in the way that they're connected, how men and women lived in these cities, how they built them, how they changed them, even how they destroyed them over political conquests and other things. I'm also interested in how um, the things that we do leave a mark on the city. How, what kind of marked freedom, slavery, issues of agenda, um, and other things leave traces in the places that we live. So I'm really interested in digital mapping, and I do a lot of map making as a way of reinventing and sort of narrating the past of the city, especially of places like Lagos. And you can see some of my maps online. I'll plug my website. Yes. It's called New Maps. It's called New Beautiful, beautiful. That's super interesting. Now, I find African history very interesting just because it it can be very hard to um, conceptualize it, right? It's not readily available in most educational systems. And you actually grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, right? So, yes. so I will, mm-hmm. yeah, go. No, please tell us. I want you to tell us kind of about that experience because I think it's going to help provide context into the work that you're doing. 
Okay, excellent. So um, I'm from Lagos, Nigeria, like you said. Um, let me see. What is Lagos like? Lagos is kind of a mixed bag, right? Mm. If you ask me, it's the most exciting city in the world. And I've been to Tokyo. I lived in New York, so <laughs> I, ma- I still maintain that. Okay. LA is okay. <laughs> Whatever. Don't hate me. Okay. <laughs> but, no, you have credit. But, you have credit. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest, Lagos is a very difficult place to live. It's mm. very, very dense. Um, there's a lot of income inequality. There's a lot of issues with our infrastructure. There's a lot of issues with security, with... You know, just, you know, we've in Nigeria, we've struggled between the military regimes and democracy, you know, how to distribute wealth and resources equally. So mm. if I tell you Lagos is amazing, you know, you go there and you see all, all this poverty, all this pain, but then you're having this really great time also, depending on who you're with. So Lagos mm. is a very dynamic place. The energy is palpable. People are wonderful. They're warm. They're happy. It's a mixed ethnic bag. Some, I guess, a little a mixed. There's a lot of people from different parts of Nigeria and West Africa mm. and, and Africa who live there. But at the same time, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of people sometimes do things because of their situation or their circumstances. So it's a difficult place to be, to to live in and to leave. Mm. Lagos, I've had some of the best years of my life, even as an undergrad mm. in Lagos. So I miss it a lot, but there's a lot of benefits also to being in America. So yeah. that's my description. Wow. No, and I, I love that you kind of gave the, the, the honesty in both sides of it, right? Um, and I think, you know, while what happens in Lagos might be unique because it's in Lagos, like the overarching principle can be applied to a lot of different places around the world and being able to kind of go through those experiences and maybe look back at them from a different vantage point, you can appreciate them and also be able to objectively, you know, call them for what they were. So just kind of expanding on that, like, can you talk to us about, I I, want to say like your educational experience growing up in Lagos, Nigeria, and especially around history, um, because I want to know, were you always interested in this passion for history, particularly in Lagos, or was that something that came to you later in life? Oh, that's definitely something that came later. I mean, growing up, growing up in Nigeria, excuse me, there's really a sense Mm -hmm. that your education is a tool, right? Mm -hmm. Education is really important, and this is how you're going to make a living, take care of yourself, take care of your family. So history was not you know, even an option I don't think that I considered. Mm. I guess when I was younger, I liked a lot of things. I I wanted to be a lot of different things. I'll be a poet, you know, whatever, Mm. blah, blah, blah. But then as a teenager, I was good at math. So I was immediately, and I'm a girl, so I was immediately sort of put in the in the science track. So from, I guess since I was about 13 or 14, I've been in science and math classes. And that meant, meant that I didn't really do a lot of the humanities courses in secondary school. That's what we call high school in Nigeria. Mm. So I did a lot of technical work. I did a lot of uh, mathematics, further math, things like that. And I think I took one, I think I took a social studies course in high school, which is not really history, but you learned a little bit. Mm. And so I would say that actually I never took a history class till I got to the U.S. Wow. And not, I mean, history in general. Yeah. So forget about African history. So this is not something... I mean, I knew of, like, famous people. And sure. the high school I went to, you know, we had, like, famous... Like, a dorm would be named, like, Morami Hall, like, Queen Morami, Queen Amina. Like, those names. But it wasn't really something that I thought about a lot. Mm. So I would say I got far more interested in history as an adult. 
that I think that's interesting because I feel like when I think of you know my my perception of the Black African American experience or the Black African American relationship to history, I think there's a lot of similarities in that sense, right? Like history is kind of fed to us here in a way, especially throughout high school, where it's just very snapshotty, you know, and we get a few like trademark moments or a few mm. big names. Um, but anything re- revolving around black or African history was just not there except, you know, during certain parts of the year. So it's very interesting that you had that same experience growing up in, you know, Lagos, Nigeria. So when you got ready to pursue college and you're getting ready to finish, you know, secondary school or high school, um, did you know you wanted to come to um, America to pursue college or what was it that inspired you to make such a huge transition for your education? Such an interesting question. So, I mean, it's very complex. In Nigeria, our educational system has suffered also from some of the problems I uh, mentioned earlier, I mean, some people know about the brain drain that happened in the 80s. I mean, why do you have so many Nigerian professors in the United States? There was a time that people had to flee the country and come here. So in a way, in Nigeria, the options that are pushed is that um, to get a better education. So the schools used to be really, really great. Like my, my father went to college in Nigeria. But by the time I came around to college age, there was a sense that going abroad was better. Mm. But... Um, but it was interesting. I thought I would go to England because that was it's closer. It's a lot more people I know. Actually, a lot more people I know went to England. Wow. But that didn't quite work out. And so but that definitely my generation, let me say, like graduate, finishing high school in the 90s. There was definitely a sense that, you know, a better education could be had outside Nigeria. So I actually never thought about coming to America. I just wanted to come to Disneyland, okay. <laughs> which, I st- which I still haven't made it to. But um, my parents had an African-American friend who worked for US- USAID, and she encouraged my parents after, you know, my school closed again because of a, cri- a crisis and a strike and blah, blah, blah. And she encouraged us to do the SATs, and she was able mm. to help us with different resources and things, which is how I ended up. So my first time in America was to come for school. Wow. So it's not really something I had. Th- yeah. So it was a very big turn for me, someone who had spent more time in Europe um, to come to America. It was it was really incredible. Yeah. Can you so can you talk about like just from a, a, a social standpoint, like what did coming to um, America growing up <laughs> in Lagos, Nigeria, like what? What was that for you, especially like in the midst of like the 90s, the early 2000s, like. What was that experience for you? Well, it was very fortunate, first of all. I was mm. very fortunate to be able to come here, to be able to come to undergraduate here. was It was such an incredible blessing. I mean, I was... Um, I had a lot of friends who were here. A lot of my friends were at Howard or at, you know, different schools around the country. I ended up in Boston, whatever. <laughs> it was... Interesting. You know, there were some issues. There were some issues. Um, but I knew a little bit about America from television, right? So okay. I think one of the first things... So American TV is everywhere. I remember getting CNN when I was a child. We watched a mm. lot of American television. In fact, wow. I remember growing up, there was a time that the government said we had to decrease the amount of foreign television that we watched. Because, you know, all the same shows were... Well, some of the same shows were popular in Nigeria. 
I can't remember mm. all of them. Like, like X Files. Like I don't want to get the dates mixed up. Like sure, I was, sure. this is the nineties, but they're all. Imagine a lot of ninety shows, like nine hundred two one zero. I guess maybe mm. a different world. I'm mixing. I'm really. I'm mixing up dates. So I mean, I watched. The, I consumed a lot of American media. Definitely sure. music, as you know. American music is very popular around the world. Definitely mm-hmm. hip hop, R and B. My sister loved okay. Anita Baker. I love Tracy Chapman. Wow. Like we all loved America. We all loved American music. So in a way, I feel like I knew a lot about America. I mean, my people love Marvin Gaye, Michael Jackson. Mm. It's funny. I remember growing up thinking that this music was for me. Mm. <laughs> so you know, this we have. It's so global that you think people are singing for you. So it was. It's kind of been a shock to come to California and be like, these are real places. Yeah. with real people and the west coast is a real scene so yeah. it's it's been so i knew a little bit about america also my mother went to college here in california actually in the 60s hmm. so you know i and you know imagine a young muslim woman here in california and and also arizona so i knew a little bit about america but i'd never been so there's a lot of media consumption and, you know, there were positive things and there were negative things, you know, that I'd heard about America. But I don't, I'd met so few, I think, Americans and African Americans. Probably I met more white Americans than African Americans, I would say, growing up. Definitely. Interesting, interesting. And so, once, so now that you're here, you're in college, please tell us really quickly, you know, what college you went to and what was your major. And let's start. I guess unpacking how you started fa- f- uh, falling into this this love for history. So it's funny. I was so I did some years in Nigeria, and for complicated reasons, I came excuse me to the U.S. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't able to continue my architecture degree here, so I ended up doing computer engineering with a mm. kind of side of architecture. And I went to Northeastern University in Boston. Mm. It's funny. My brother, my brother and I came at the same time, so he picked the south, and I picked the north. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of how I ended up in Boston. Um, and so, as I mean, I don't know if you know this, but in engineering, when you're in engineering school, you don't get a lot of electives, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Calc 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, whatever, all these very technical classes. And so, I know you told me, I was thinking about this. What inspired me to start thinking about African history? And it's funny, it's, I had a few professors who were really mm. amazing in undergrad. So, mm-hmm. even though I was a computer engineering major, I had this incredible professor who... Um, did math and I feel like he poured or cracked up in my head and poured like knowledge in so then for a while I wanted to be a math major okay. then I took I took this elective and I remember this professor it was an elective on African music and I remember I told my mother I'm taking this class on African music and she was like I can't believe you're in America spending our dollars <laughs> <laughs> on you know pop music and I was like right. no it's incredible not only am I learning more about and I remember feeling so proud in that class you know I heard okay. about music from Mali music from Guinea from South Africa from Kenya I was like there's a real I remember the real sense of pride even just in yes. the music and I learned more about Nigerian music yeah. someone like Fela Kuti I didn't know so much about his politics his political awakening all the activist work that he did with his music and his own transformation from being an elite Mm. figure to somebody who became a populist fighting for people so Mm. in a way it was really transformative and i should say also in nigeria i did have one professor in my architecture school who taught about um, indigenous African architecture and how mm-hmm. we could build for our environments with our mm-hmm. local materials. And so uh, while a lot of people would teach about, you know, let's build the Western way, he was very invested mm-hmm. 
in thinking about Africa and taking Africa seriously. So that was David Aradian, and he's a really incredible person. So I would say I had a glimmer of awakening in Nigeria there, but mm. definitely it's the two electives I took in undergrad. So one with music, and then I took another class with a professor, Robin Kilson, in African American studies. And I'd always liked literature, but I took this class and it was incredible. It was yeah. me and all these students and we're debating culture and history and I didn't know anything <laughs> about right. history. Yeah. And I didn't know any African-American history. I didn't know any African history. And she's like, but you're so invested in being Yoruba, your language, your culture, your people. I was like, yes. And she's like, how do you not know? How are you Yoruba and you don't know about Shango? How are you Yoruba mm. and you're not interested in Oshun? How are mm. you Catholic? I was like, well, it's it's colonialism, right? Why am I speaking with this accent? It's colonialism. Mm. So I really started, and she was so brilliant. Unfortunately, she died quite young, but there were mm. just so many exciting conversations we had, and I wanted to know more. So that was really my, so my undergraduate experience, even yeah. though I graduated with an engineering degree, it was really formative for mm -hmm. opening up that idea that this could be, I saw people who were doing this as part mm. of their work and part of their living. And... I, 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 I love the way that you kind of broke that down and you explained it because I think that tends to happen to a lot of black people within the diaspora in general. Like there's always, you know, whether you, you grow up in the circumstances that you grow up in and you develop a worldview based on that. Right. And then, you know, usually around the age that you're either going to college or you're maybe just venturing out on a different avenue as a young adult, like you're exposed to different things that make you realize like there's a lot more to what I thought I knew and it, and it goes a lot deeper and there's an explanation for the things that I'm seeing within my community or adjacent communities. And so can you, can we just, I, I just identify a lot in terms of kind of just coming into the history in a different way that it just finally makes sense to you. And you're like, Oh, colonialism, like that was a very real thing. And how, how could I not know about traditions or, or my past or my history? So talk to us just a little bit more about like how having a, a, a solid concept of your history just does something for your self-image as an African person. Oh, I mean, it's incredible. It's such a privilege to be able to be a history professor. It's such a mm. privilege to be able to do research about things you're interested in. And if that thing you're interested in is actually connected to yourself in a way, it's just, it's so fascinating, but at the same time, quite painful, right? Yes. Because, I mean, I grew up, excuse me, in a world where all my friends are trying to be lawyers, doctors, engineers, like that's what, and I was on that path too for a while. But the thing is, you know, what do we know about ourselves? We grew up, some of us, some of the people I knew grew, grew up with this idea that, you know, the West is better. We should try to be like the West, but while at the same time holding on to our cultures, right? We're Igbo, we're Yoruba, we're Ishakiri, whatever we are. Mm. But that sense of what is our historical past is kind of something, and I wonder if my parents know how, or knew how little I knew, because they grew up with a different understanding of their history. Sure. But my generation tended so if people who finished high school in the, let's say, the 90s, for me, I remember being a little bit disconnected and being very sort of outward looking. Mm -hmm. Every, there's a sense that everything foreign is better. Mm -hmm. But I think that history is so important. I, for me, it's just been incredible to learn more, not just about Nigeria or Lagos, mm -hmm. but more about other places. I'm so 
interested in, you know, thinking about Ghana, about, you know, the Gold Coast, Kenya, all over the West African coast. I'm very lucky. I'm also married to a historian. So when we travel to do our research, I'm in Senegal. He is in Mali. You know, we've been to all kinds of cities and places together. And there's something about getting to know, like, if... If all you study is other people's cultures and all you do is validate other people's cultures, that does some damage to you. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to know your own past and other people's past and be able to compare and evaluate. But if everything you know is alien to you, you it's you know, it's that double consciousness. Like, what do you know about? Like, who mm. are you exactly? And are you just sort of a negation or an inversion of someone else? This is something mm. I think I struggle with here. There's not a lot of content, right, as you say. So learning more about Africa and just other, not just where I'm from, but other places has been so enriching and so Mm. enlightening, but also quite painful because I think that sometimes we want to learn about the past. We might not always be happy with what we find, right? So one Mm. of the things I found out in learning about history is my mother is from a, a slave port, you know, mm. Lagos is a slave port. But I never grew, I did not know, I think when I was in high school, I didn't really think about how African Americans got to America, right? Mm. Slavery is not something I grew up learning about. This wow. is something I learned about. The history of slavery I learned in America. And I don't mm. think I'm so strange. So I remember when I turned to thinking, I, I, after undergrad, I, st- I got involved in a research project and we're doing all this work on 1980s Lagos, oil boom Lagos. And I kept doing this research. You know how you're in between like undergrad and what you want to do with your life, right? <laughs> so I got this summer job and I was helping someone as their research assistant. And then I was doing all this work and I kept finding all this historical material. And I was mm. like, did you know? This is incredible. I'd go to this library, that library. I was living in Europe then. And um, they were like, no, Demide, we're not interested in the 1950s. I was like, well, I found something on the 1920s. They're like, we're definitely not interested. Mm. And I was like, well, okay, now I've crossed now I've crossed the lines of the 19th century. And I was like, okay. this is so fascinating. Like, Lagos is not just a city from the 20th century. Lagos is a cent- it's centuries old. And I was like, mm. I'm so interested in this. And they're like, no. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to grad school. I don't want to do architecture. I don't want to do engineering anymore. I think I want to do... I, I wasn't sure what I wanted, but I was like, I want to really study um, cities and yeah. maybe history. And then I met another professor. Mm. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I was doing a master's degree in Africana studies. You know, it's kind of an interdisciplinary thing where you can kind of figure out, you know, do you want to be literature? I actually wanted to study science fiction. And oh, wow. I remember I wanted to study science fiction and race. Yeah, that was my you thing. But I didn't know professor that John that could Jenny. be a thing. Mm-hmm. Jennings, I know, yes. I, a little bit, but I didn't know. I was so young. I didn't know that this was a thing. And I met this professor, and he's like, you know, have you considered doing a PhD in history? And wow. I was like, no, <laughs> but if this is a thing, I could be a historian. He's like, yes, if you work hard enough, you maybe. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so yeah, to ch- so, put the challenge in there. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so that's basically, I, I was super interested, but it wasn't clear how I would make a living. Because I didn't really, and ironically, where my father is from, we have the highest number of PhDs per capita. Well, that's the rumor anyway. So if I hadn't been so disconnected from those people, I would have known that history was totally viable. It's totally a normal option. This is something I could do and I could Mm. make a living. So I would say that professors actually thinking about it have been really instrumental in guiding me, showing me what's possible and also supporting me and also challenging me, right? Okay, nice. So, in you know his, I I I studied psychology in undergrad, um, 
but I discovered very at, like towards the end of my undergrad that like at, at least how I identify as a as a black African American you know like you can't have you can't understand the psychology of anything without knowing the history like they're they're very intimately like interlinked I feel like um and so when I started just grabbing little tidbits about you know black psychology and African American history and different aspects of African history like outside of Egypt like it was very it was very comforting and it it, it kind of in like you said it is a very sad thing but in a way it does it, it grounds you but I think it can be very hard to like especially as a young student like it can be very just hard to conceptualize African history like African history it's thousands and thousands of ethnic groups it's hundreds and hundreds of empires it's the biggest continent it's so many different types of people so many different types of politics what is one thing that you could say to young black students that are interested in african or african-american history how can they like begin to approach it so it's Mm -hmm. not so daunting Mm. I think that's a great question. I mean, you know, um, I think even things like you said, like geography, like who who knows, you know, I mean, what is it we hear? There's like a billion Africans now living mm-hmm. on the continent. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have to, I mean, Africa is very large. You're right. It's very complex. Nigeria alone, we have like hundreds of ethnic groups and languages. I only mm-hmm. speak one Nigerian language, <laughs> right? Well, okay, okay. English, if you count English, that's Okay. I won't put a number on it. Sure, but, sure. But um, where would you start? Wow, I think that there are so many ways and so many avenues. Mm-hmm. I would say that my experience with students has always been let your interests guide you. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you interested in art? Are you interested in culture? Are you interested in literature? I mean, African literature is just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I should say this is the one thing that I had growing up. We did a lot of, we read a lot of West African and or African writers in general. So there's so many gateways to learning about the past. There's so many wonderful writers. I mean, everywhere mm. you go now, there's so many writers. I mean, even music, right? If it's Burner yes. Boy, <laughs> you know, Burner Boy will connect you to Fela, which will connect you to activism and his family, Lagos, sure. Abel Kuta. So I think that for students, you know, what mm. do you identify with? What are you mm. interested in? For me, it was literature and history and poetry per se but there's so many ways so I wouldn't think about it history is never about learning everything right there's I think one thing that surprises students in my classes is how much there is to learn Mm -hmm. because you know they've never been taught before many students they've never had a black professor or they've never taken an Africa class and they're shocked about the volume of work it's like Mm -hmm. there's so very often I meet super smart students But they've never had that Africa class. They've never had that black studies class. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, it is daunting. But I would say let your interests guide you. Are you interested in learning about the history of sexuality? You know, are you interested in learning about psychology, right? What is the history of sort of thinking about the mind? How do, do, you know, Africans or let's say, let's say how do Europe, what do they think about the difference between the mind and the body Mm -hmm. and how people connect and things like that, you know? Are you interested in language? I mean, I met a linguist recently. He learns, you know, like ancient languages, like mm. the Congo area. I would just say, let your interests guide you. For me, you know, like I said, I was interested in science fiction, and that's part of the way I started reading more African American 
uh, texts and literature. So I would say identify your interests and see how you can match them, but also do something new, right? Mm. For me, it would be like taking like, I don't know, I guess a... Ironically, like West African dance class, you know they're sure. here. You know it's funny. It's called West African dance, but it's it's a very big place. <laughs> you sure, know? So right, I mean, right. So it's very it's very different from let's say anything I have experienced per se. Because a right. lot of sometimes it can be about Senegal and Mali, and I'm quite I'm from a different part of the coast. So I would say you know reach out to people. Here at UCR, I don't know if you've seen it, but every quarter there's a black studies sort of poster of all the classes that are available all Mm. around the campus. And I think it goes to African uh, student programs and other places. So there's so many classes. And sometimes there are classes on Africa that may not have Africa in the title. So I teach a class in the winter on maps. And of course, you can imagine I draw maps, I make maps, I'm interested in maps of the world. So there will be a lot of Africa content in that class. Right now, I'm teaching a class called Digital Storytelling. And I've been telling my students, it's like perfect for this. Well, not perfect. It's a really great class for this timing, because Mm -hmm. not only are we all online now, we have to learn how to communicate online. And part of the material we use for the class is thinking about African cities. So there's so many ways you can learn about Africa. Just dip your toe in. Oh, African-American yes. size. Dip your toe in. Are you interested in anthropology? Are you interested yes. in something you've never heard of? Try something and see mm. what you're inter- See what happens. That's what happened for me. You never know. You know, you could go from engineer to something else. Mm. Or you could just have... Um, or join a book club, right? Mm-hmm. To, to read something. There's so much to read. But I would say the problem is, how do you sift through all the information? How do you yeah. sift through what... How do we sift through the policy? Like... like sort of the politics of all this information. How do we sift, how do we sort of work through the ideology? You know, people use knowledge for all kinds of reasons, right? So Mm -hmm. how do you kind of absorb and discern what you're learning? So it's a lot, but I think that there's just so, and right now, people can learn in all kinds of ways. People are learning on Instagram. God help us. (laughs) You know what I mean? So YouTube University and all that, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. I think that's very... um, inspiring and like my gateway was through psychology so it really pushed me to kind of like understand more about that concept those aspects um and that's i think that's inspiring for students as well and it can be very simple like getting in like learning about african or african-american or african-caribbean history or whatever geographical location food Try food. some food. Try yes. some injera. Try some, you know, West African food. You never know. You may have a path through the, the culinary arts. There's just so much, you know. Yeah, and and that and that's why I'm glad that you broke it down into like so many levels, from literature to dance to food to whatever it is, because all Africa plays a part in all of that. Like, and so I think it's important for students to know, like it's a, it's a little bit easier. Than you think. So as we get a little bit closer to the end of the interview, I just kind of want to bring it kind of back more so into your research and just kind of really put some light onto what it is that you do. You mentioned a few of the classes um, that you teach, but if we can, like, can we try and paint a better picture for prospective students or maybe even current students who are looking to, you know, get introduced to uh, African history? What is it like being in one of your classes and how can students be engaged? I wonder if I'm the right person to ask. (laughs) Well, I would say, what do my students say? I think that 
if you are, you know, ready, I mean, a lot of our students are smart, they're committed, they are, if you're ready to learn and you're ready to come on these sort of adventures and sort of learning, I think learning should be exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. I came to history to have a really good time. Sure. And, you know, this, I, I find it, I think maybe the histories I grew up with, those days of history being sort of dry and uninteresting, that's over, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are, yeah. inter- history is exactly. something we're invested in. History is something that affects us. Look, this is what I'm telling my students. You know, look around the world. We all, everybody wants to know now, right? Mm-hmm. What is the history of black people? What is the history of Africa? What is the relationship? And historians will tell you that part of the kinds of questions we ask about the past come mm-hmm. from our contemporary moments. So now everybody wants to know about, you know, the pandemics, about space, about cities, about culture, about race. There is actually a general interest now in these things. I think one of my favorite classes that I teach, so I teach classes on African cities. I teach general surveys on, you know, um, let's say 19th century or 20th century Africa. We read a variety of things. There's a lot of film and different sources. One of my favorite classes that really takes advantage of the resources here at UCR is my African history in film fiction and science fiction class. Mm. And I said I was interested in science fiction before, yes. so I try to, you know, I try to make sure I teach things that I'm interested in, students are also interested in. And in this class, we think about the history of Africa and, you know, what evidence do we have of the past and how have other people thought about Africa? How have people mm. written about Africa? What kinds of films have they made? And even science fiction, how has science fiction affected the way we think about Africa and African people and race and spaces and cities? So for instance, you know, when you watch some th- when you watch sci-fi movies set in Africa or you watch or you read books about so Africa features a lot of, in a lot of 19th century science fiction. It can be quite racist and quite terrible in some ways. But there's also, but what does that mean? And why did people write things this way? When we mm. think about books, like, so for instance, we sometimes imagine if we have one question, like, you mm-hmm. know, what is the history of, let's say, let me think about this. So whatever question we ask, we think about how novelists have answered the question, how historians okay. have answered the question, and how, let's say, movie makers have answered the question. Mm. So it could be a series of things. So we always compare. And mm. it's very interesting. The last time I taught the class, Black Panther, I think, was about... It had either just come out or was about to come out. Mm-hmm. And so... Many people don't know that the female warriors are, many things in that film are based on real things. Sure. So, you know, people want to talk about, and of course, I'm going to blank on the name of the warriors now, the mm-hmm. female warriors. Can you help me? I, oh, I'm totally blank. I know. But you, <laughs> okay, I we're going to have to edit this part. <laughs> you know, so the, um, so the, the female warriors are actually grounded in a real group of yes. warriors, inspired by a real group of warriors in Benair Republic. And so many people want to use them as feminist figures. So the week we do, um, uh, we, one week we do a module on female warriors. We read the Roxane Gay's version of uh, World of Wakanda, where she fictionalizes that story. Mm. We also read the actual sources, the actual historical sources from the 18th and 19th century, writing about these real women warriors. And mm. then we watch a little bit about the film. So on one hand, students are excited that women are strong, they're warriors, they're fighting for themselves. But what if I told you that one of the towns I studied was destroyed by these women warriors, right? What what if I told you that these warriors from um, Dahomey attacked Abelkata in March 1851? This is part of what the research that I do. And they caused quite a little bit of damage. I mean, it was great for them, but not so great for the people in the city. So, you know, these are thorny questions for historians, you know. Why do we always look for heroes? And what do we do when we find out that there's a sort of, you know, 
I don't know the American expression, but there's a sort of the story is more complicated than we think. So in this class, yeah. we explore a lot of different questions. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's fascinating. One one thing that I always say is peep the context, and it's because yeah, you can, <laughs> exactly right. You can identify an isolated incident or an isolated group of people, and from a certain lens, it's something that you can champion and be behind, and like, wow, that's amazing. But if you're not te- if you're not telling the full story, you you miss out on really trying to grasp what was going on in that time in history. And I think yes. obviously, I'm sure that's what your work really expands upon. So thank you for showing it so, or explaining it. And yes, another. I thing. googled it, the Dora Milaje. <laughs> Perfect. I was like, I'm never gonna. I won't be able to live this down. But no, but that they're called something different in Dahomey and um, they even call them Amazons to sort of kind of like, Mm. well, that's a kind of European name for them, but there's a lot of stuff going on there. Wow. But thank you for sharing that. I think that's a pretty enlightening for students who might be interested. So we're we're coming up on the end. I just have one more question and this is, I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation so far, but um, with the work that you're doing in, what you're trying to teach to students, but, you know, in in particular, trying to center our black students, our African students. What is one of your most optimistic visions of the future when it comes to the upcoming generations of black scholars through UCR? (laughs) Big question. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, I meet I probably don't meet enough black students I'd love to meet more mm-hmm. I realize now I have to title my classes differently so I can get more interest sometimes mm-hmm. the Africa is not the first thing that you see um, mm-hmm. I'm so inspired by our students young people are so brave they're so bold they're so outspoken I mean even now last um, in the spring quarter it was the black students who who that I saw they spoke up they talked about the yes. effect of the pandemic people are unafraid to use their voice they're unafraid Mm. to learn they're very engaged you know um i think that there's a political awakening that's happening and a political awareness and i think a self-awareness i see in a younger generation it's so inspiring Mm -hmm. i mean even just around voting people's rights safety you know issues around anti-blackness articulating these things and speaking up for themselves is so Mm -hmm. i mean they're braver than we are they're definitely braver than a lot of us that are older and I'm inspired by how brilliant and brave the students here are I you know want to meet more I want to get to know them you know mm-hmm. I definitely want to do more things on campus and part of this is also you know reaching out to you and other people in this sense um, I think students here should also I guess one thing I would say I'm optimistic about the future is that UCR has a lot of resources Mm-hmm. Not just for professors and staff members, but also for students, right? Yeah. And so I think there's a lot that students can gain from being here. They have access to so many people who will support them. But also, if we think of also, another thing that I'm really optimistic about is the wider networks, right? Yes. I know here there's Nesby. So the thing I know about <laughs> from the old days is Nesby is still a thing, the National Society of Black Engineers. And you know, there's mm-hmm. a chapter here on campus, you know, and, you know, I've seen some materials from them. And also the wider UC network, the school, mm-hmm. the undergrad I went to didn't have, you know, 10 campuses. So this is something that will be really important, I think, for students. And I'm sure it's already important for professors. I'm sure there's, there's definitely staff connections. But, you know, I think this is something that students should leverage. And this is an incredible system. Yeah. We live in, we're very 
um, privileged to live in California when it's not on fire, right? Mm-hmm. But so yes. I feel like the combination of really bright and engaged students with understanding how to use those resources and utilize them, there's a lot to look forward to, I think, at UCR, especially as we all become more engaged and more aware of ourselves in the wider world and how the world has changed and is changing. So that was kind of like an upside down answer in many ways. It, but, was, it was perfect. <laughs> it, it was perfect. But I think... I, I feel I don't feel discouraged when I think yeah. of the younger generation. I don't. I feel like people are so brave. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the pandemic, people are out. You know, they are they are out there. They're protesting. They're marching. They're walking. They're coming to class. They're doing their work. They're mm. speaking up to their professors. I mean, I I feel like I want to be hopeful, and there's mm. a reason to be. No, be- that's that's beautifully said. Um, and I, I, I agree with you 1,000%. The, the, the younger generations definitely leave. They just have so much that you make me feel inspired, that make you feel inspired. Um, and, it, and it influences, you know, how we try to carry out the work that we're doing. And I think that's also important. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining of us course. on the on the Blue, Gold, and Black podcast. Uh, we are super happy to amplify your voice um, super excited for students to have the opportunity to engage with you and, and, and to take your courses and to broaden their perspective. So thank you. We're going to definitely have to have you back so we can keep <laughs> pushing this conversation forward. But thank you so much for being with us. And thank you, Dominic, for doing this. I think it's a great, I've seen some of them already. It's really wonderful to, you know, know who's here, especially in these days we can't really connect. It's really important, I think, for community building to see that, you know, we can still connect and things, we have something to look forward to. When yeah. we can get off our couches and stop working on the couch. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, good. Professor Demaday, thank you so, so, so much. Um, we really yes. appreciate your time. And everyone else, we'll catch you later on the Blue, Gold, and Black podcast. Thank you for joining us on Blue, Gold, and Black. This program is produced by the Community Engagement and Outreach Unit of Undergraduate Admissions at the University of California, Riverside. Learn more about attending UCR by visiting admissions.ucr.edu. And be sure to check out the description for other useful links and resources. Help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and sharing. And be sure to check out our podcast videos on YouTube. Catch you guys later.